Evening, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, good to be here with you all. It's good to hear as well. You had another Northern Irish preacher this morning. That's always a good sign for a church. It means it's a good, solid, conservative evangelical church. It's always a worry if there's no Northern Irish around <laughs> in the church. Well, it's lovely to be with you all. If you'd like to grab a Bible and turn to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. Um, for those who don't know, uh, it's part of a section of the Psalms called uh, the Songs of Ascent. And they're a series of Psalms that were sang by pilgrims who were journeying towards Jerusalem to observe various celebrations like Passover and so on. And they would have sang these songs, these Psalms, as they traveled along, encouraging themselves and praising God. Well, Timothy Keller, he says the Psalms are a medicine for the heart and uh, the best possible guide for practical living. And for me, the reason I chose this psalm, uh, this psalm for us, is because it's really been medicine for me, medicine to my soul in recent weeks. And uh, so I really do pray and hope that it'll also be medicine for everyone here tonight as well, particularly those who are perhaps feeling weary right now, uh, weary in life or just weary in the Christian walk. I pray that this would be uh, really uplifting for you tonight. I hope it's truth will encourage you and guide you as we walk, as we follow in Jesus' steps. Let's pray, uh, shall we, before we come to read the psalm. Uh, Almighty Father God, we do humbly come before you, and we do ask uh, for your help as we consider your living word this night. We pray that your spirit would illuminate uh, the truth of your words to us, that your word sown amongst us this evening would take deep root within our hearts, that it would indeed be medicine to our hearts. And we pray that neither the burning heat of uh, persecution or uh, would cause it to wither, nor the thorny cares of this world would choke it out. But we pray that it would be seed sown in good soil tonight, and that it would bring forth much fruit among us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. Let me read Psalm 131 for us. A song of a sense of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Well, uh, two years ago, there was a, a young man called Brent Underwood. He was living in California. He decided that he just wanted to get some peace and quiet. He wanted to get away just from all the bedlam of modern day life and living. So he decided to buy an abandoned ghost mining town, as you do, uh, which had been lying empty out in the wilderness in America uh, for over 100 years, untouched. Well, he moved there on his own. He's been living now there for over two years. You can check him out on YouTube later. And he's there away from all the daily cares of the world, away from family, away from colleagues, alone in the wilderness, no one around, literally for hundreds of miles, just all quiet, all calm, all tranquil. Well, many of us, we dream of that, don't we? We dream of getting away from it all. After all, there is a lot of noise out there. The world we live in is full of noise, the screaming kids, the, uh, the family arguments, our phones constantly pinging, 
another church WhatsApp group we've been added to. The noisy neighbors, the traffic, the office. It's noisy out there in the world. It makes us long for the peace and quiet that Brent enjoys. But it can also be noisy here in the inside, the inward noise, which comes from all our daily cares and commitments. The job, putting food on the table, the, the dissertation, caring for the family member, the cost of living crisis, the concern for the kids. These daily day-to-day things can cause a lot of noise in the soul. Anxieties, worries, cares, fears, and so on. Well, I wonder perhaps what could be causing noise for you internally right now. Well, it'd be easy to think that like our friend Brent, all we need to do is just jet off somewhere and escape to some perfect quiet place in search of peace and quiet. But it's not that simple. For the inward noises, they simply just travel with us in whatever way we seek to escape from them. Whether that be escaping by binging on Netflix or uh, binging on food and drink or escaping off to a, a holiday or a spa or something. Well, which of us in this room can say today that there's no noise within me? Well, the good, noise, uh, the good news for us this evening is this psalm here, it shows us the way to find peace and quiet inwardly in soul, even through all the daily noise of life, even through all its trials, its troubles, its ups and downs. David here, he gives us a a little show and tell of how he's come to learn to be quiet in soul, to be content through all of life's circumstances. Now do remember, David, he's not had some easygoing life. Uh, he, He didn't retreat from the world into the wilderness. No, as king, he had a lot on his plate, a lot of challenges, a full entry all the time. He faced a lot of pressures, enemies after him, family issues, troubles of all sorts, many of his own doing, but lots of responsibility and expectations were on his shoulders as the mighty king, David. And yet even with all that, even with all the noise going on out there for him, he says here, verse 2, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am content. He's learned to be content through all the hubbub of life, inwardly. So let's go through this psalm verse by verse and learn from David himself how we too can enjoy this inward calm and contentment through all of life's circumstances. Well, let's first look at verse 1, the first half of verse 1. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. So David here, he tells us that he's learned not to be which is not to be proud, not to be puffed up within his heart. So a helpful thing to do here is to consider the opposite of David's words. The opposite would be something like this. My heart is proud. It's all about me, myself, and I. My eyes are haughty. I look down on others from above. Well, pride is universal, something we all deal with, isn't it? Augustine, he said, pride was the start of every kind of sin. And prideful hearts is the issue here at the core. And so our pride can cause us then a lot of noise inwardly. We live in a world where there's whole industries out there that feed on our prideful hearts. We're bombarded daily with all those ad campaigns and products that feeds our self-important views of ourselves. Because you're worth it. 
celebrate yourself. Rise up with self-love. Love yourself and dream bigger. Just to name a few of the slogans out there. Pride is loving self above all else in our centered, our me-centered little worlds. Take social media as an example. One of the reasons it's so popular is because it feeds our pride, doesn't it? Our pride is hungry for attention and glory. And on social media, we can get that. The likes, the follows, the comments, the views, the shares, the tweets, the pins. It's all reinforcing the myth that we're the center of the universe. It's all about me. What about selfies? We love taking selfies, don't we? You know, we like the old... That one. My personal favorite one that people do is the one where they look that way. You know? It's the worship of self, isn't it? It's the worship of self. And in this digital age with our phones constantly glued to our hands, it's feeding our vain glory. Now, the selfies and the social media, they're easy. They're easy to point out. But pride is the villain with a thousand faces. Our prideful hearts, they can show themselves in, in different subtle ways. For example, we, we might want a better paid job. We might want a nice house. We might want UK citizenship. We might want to get married. We might want to have children. But nothing wrong with having these goals and ambitions. However, if they stem from an entitled, prideful heart, well, if we then don't get those things that we feel entitled to and demand, well, it will cause noise inwardly, noise from the bitterness, the frustration, the ingratitude, the despondency, the irritation of not getting them that we wanted. You see, what we're often saying within our prideful hearts is, my will be done, my kingdom, my glory. And when we don't get it our way, it brings us then much noise inwardly. And notice pride, it's not just about me, it's also about you. The haughty eyes, David mentions, the haughty eyes is the lifting ourselves up in our pride. So we look down on each other, we look down on you. I'm better compared to you. I know better than you. I overlook you for everything just revolves around me up here in my lofty heights. Well, some in the room will be old enough to remember the British sitcom keeping up appearances anybody remember keeping up appearances mrs bouquet uh, well she would answer the phone if you remember each uh, episode in her posh accent you know this is the bouquet residence the lady of the house speaking if you remember and for those who've never seen it she was a bit of a snob in fact her surname was bucket but she uh, pronounced it as bouquet to sound more posh uh, and she would look down on those who she felt uh, just weren't as good as her. She would not value anyone who she's seen as not being able to bring her some value. Now, it was a comedy show, yet there's nothing funny about the ugliness of this heart attitude. Well, King David says, my eyes are not haughty. He doesn't look down on others. 
which is astonishing when you consider he's, he's a king. He's top of the social pecking order. Yet even he has learnt to not have this attitude. It's a great picture here of true humi- humility from him. And furthermore, verse 1, he's able to say, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. That word wonderful there, or marvelous, as it's were in the ESV, refers to those things that are just beyond us. Uh, things that only God can do or know the answers to, his wonders. It's those things that are just so lofty, so high above us, so marvelous for us that we can't get our heads around. They're out of reach beyond us. Well, if you happen to be on Twitter, uh, check out later on Twitter, Usain Bolt's Twitter feed. And next time you're on there, look at his bio. It simply says, Usain Bolt. Anything is possible, I don't think in limits. Well, for King David, though, he does think in limits. David has learned that there are things impossible for him. He may be a king who occupies a mighty throne down here, yet he's humble enough to recognize that God's on the throne up there. And so David resists pridefully to think too much of himself to go beyond his limits. So knowing this, David is able to not then occupy himself with things that are just too great, things that are too marvelous, too wonderful, even for him. So what would the opposite then uh, to David look like for us to then concern ourselves with great matters, chasing after things that are too wonderful for me? Well, there's many things. I've just uh, noted down a few things here where perhaps this could show up in our prideful hearts. First could be the future. The future. We make plans for the future. Of course we do. Good and proper to do so. Nothing wrong with that. But the reality is we don't control the future. No matter how much we plan, how well organized we are, we are not the captains of our fate. Yet often we can get overly obsessed with our futures. We can get very preoccupied with all the possible roads of life that we could take, both big and small. Lots of thoughts can play around in our minds. Will I ever get married? What if I don't? What if I do? What if I don't get that visa? What if I fail my degree? What if the kids don't get into that school? What if I don't get that job? What if I lose that job? All these thoughts of the future as we try to know the answer to every possible twist and turn. Well, we simply just don't know, as we're not the ones who are sovereign. Another example is our past. We can easily become consumed with trying to figure out our pasts. Stuck in our pasts, we rack out our brains. Why did that happen? Why did I do that? What if I'd done that other thing? Why did that event happen the way that it did? What if I had done X, Y, Z instead? Would life have been different for me now? We can easily play things from our past over and over again, like a broken record in our hearts and minds, going round and round in circles. Yet God is the one who's sovereign. And he's the one that is working out the plans for our lives and the plans for this world. 
Thus, his ways, are, his ways are so much higher than ours. As Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, reminds us, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow the words of his law. So the things that God has revealed, the things that God has spoken in his word, is the things that God has clearly showed us in the Bible, well, they belong to us. But... There are those things that also belong to God, the secret things that are out of our reach. We won't always get the answer to the ways of God. Perhaps we will never know why such and such a thing happened to me in this life. Why is it that I've suffered in this way, in certain ways that others haven't? Why in God's providence did this happen to me and that happen? Well, David likewise would not have got all things figured out for him either. Yet he lets God be God, and he's content with that. So we need to be wary, for if we let the pride take over, our hearts could become lifted up, our eyes could be raised too high, and we'll arrogantly act as if we're God over our own lives, setting our course as if we've got no limits. Yet living that way will only leave us very noisy inside, never knowing quietness and contentment of soul, for we're not God is the point. But the good news is if we follow David's path of humility, well, he will show us the process that is then necessary for us to have a quiet and calm, contented self through all the circumstances and all the noise out there. Have a look. But I've calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. It's a wonderful picture here that David uses to make his point. Think about it. When a mother has a, has a young baby in her lap, it will be noisy in those early days, you know, whinging and fussing and crying until it gets some milk. But weeks later, when the child has been weaned, there's a big change with them. You sit the child on the mother's lap, and they're now much more settled, a bit more settled, not squirming around now for milk. Well, it seems like yesterday I used to grab the, the high chairs for my wife and I, for my two boys, so they could be plunked into those high chairs, so we could then feed them the solids, having now been weaned off the milk. So during the weaning process, the, the child learns to be more content, less anxious, less squirming around, and now calmer and content in the presence of mum. Having mum is all that winged child now needs to be quiet. So you see the picture here that David is making for us, this is what David has learned. He's like a child that has been winged. He's been winged from pride, from haughtiness, winged from being preoccupied with great things, winged to leaving things now with the Lord. Those things that are out of his reach. And now like a winged child in the mother's lap, he's learned to be quiet and still, knowing God's presence. David has reached that point of quietness of soul and now he's content. Well, there's an old book. Um, it's called the, the Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. It's a, a paperback Puritan book from the 16th century. I've become a bit of a Puritan hipster in recent years. I like my Puritan paperbacks. I've got a collection of them. And there's a wonderful quote from that book by Jeremiah Boros, and it says, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit 
which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. That's exactly the picture here that David has, this inward, quiet, deep satisfaction at his core, peace and contentment in every condition, delighting in God's wise, fatherly care. David is like a winged child who's no longer restless. He's winged himself off the noises of, of his heart. He's shushed quiet his prideful, me-centered heart and all its wants and cares. Now, weaning is a process, happens over time, and likewise for us to come to this place that David has, well, it takes time, and David has not learned this process very quick. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said of this, this psalm, this is one of the shortest psalms to read, but it's one of the longest psalms to learn. So there's no quick fix here. It'll be a struggle at times. But we can know this contentment even through the trenches of life, even when circumstances are not to our liking or wish. We can still submit in humility to God's wise and fatherly care through that. Well, let's look then at the last verse where David tells the secret of having this, this still heart of his. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Well, David having in verses 1 and 2 been speaking to God, he now changes here in verse 3, speaking directly to Israel, telling them what the application is. It's always helpful when the application is told to you. In the passage, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Of course, this isn't just a, a call for Old Testament Israel. This is a call for us, us here tonight who are Christian, God's people, the church. We're called this evening to put our hope in the Lord both now and forevermore as well. Well, that word there, hope, it's used by us in, in a different way than the meaning of hope here in the Bible. For example, I have a friend at my church. It's a guy called Wally. He's a Leicester City fan. And he hopes that Leicester City will avoid relegation this season. I've got my friend Kieran here with me tonight. He, like you, is a Sunderland fan, and he's hoping that Sunderland uh, just about make the playoffs this season. Got my other friend Toby here with me tonight. He's a Liverpool fan. He hopes that uh, Liverpool will qualify for the lofty heights of the Conference League. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. Neither do football fans. Now, they can all have these uh, wishful hopes for their teams but there's no certainty it will happen. People hope they'll win the, the lottery, but it's a wishful hope. Well, here though, this hope we're called to have in the Lord, this is a different hope. It's a certain hope. It's a wise hope. It's a solid, sure hope. It's something that is trustworthy, unlike our wishful hopes. So David is calling on us to hope, as in to have certain confidence in the Lord, to trust in him, hope in him. Like the child that has been winged, hoping in God, trusting and resting and relying on him to be quiet and calm in his loving, sovereign care over our lives. Well, the things of this world, they can be frustrating. 
In fact, even if we perhaps get in life what we've hoped for and longed for, we can often then find when you get them, they let you down. You discover they didn't bring you the contentment that you hoped they would. You see, for David, it's what he's directing his hope in, which is what counts. And that's the Lord himself that he's hoping in. Just listen to a few descriptions here of the Lord he hopes in that are found in the Psalms of Ascent, the Songs of Ascent elsewhere. Just listen. The Lord answers us in distress. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord is righteous. The Lord has done great things for us. He made the heavens and the earth. The Lord, he never sleeps. The Lord, he forgives us our sins. Well, is it any wonder that David has learnt to be calm and content as he humbly places his certain hope in this Lord? Now just think, unlike David, we actually have a fuller picture of who we're being called to hope in than he actually did. For the hope of Israel ended up being a man named the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he, unlike any person, unlike us, had never had a shred of any sinful pride within his heart. No prideful entitlement, no haughtiness whatsoever. For who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality of God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We hope in a Lord who humbled himself for proud, prideful, arrogant sinners like you and me. Yet he became lowly for us, us who fought too high of ourselves, so that he could bring us the most important thing that we needed, peace with God forevermore. So as we hope in a Lord like this through the ups and downs of this life and all its circumstances, all its noise out there, well, as we do and move from pride to humble trust in him more and more, he'll help us by his grace wean us off that from pridefully hoping in self and other things that we misdirect our hope in, the things which will only end up bringing us noise inside leaving us on sale. And as we humbly trust in him, even when we don't have all the answers, even through life's difficulties and ups and downs, we will learn, like David, to still enjoy this quiet, calm contentment as we hope in the Lord. I can think of another example of this. I was catching up with a friend of mine recently. He, uh, I hadn't spoken to him for many years. He had moved to a different part of the country to be part of a, a new church plant. And he was very excited to be part of that church plant. He uh, you know, moved to a different part of the country. He changed careers. And uh, I caught up with him years later. They asked him how it was going. And uh, the, the, the aim of the church was to, to reach uh, kind of young up-and-coming go-getters like him in that area and university students. So I asked him how it was going, and he says, it has not turned out the way I expected. He said, the church has ended up 
reaching people from China and South Korea, which is great, he says, praise God, we just didn't expect that. We didn't expect we'd have families from South Korea in our church and from China. Uh, I asked him, well, then, how's, how's the job? How's it going, the new career? He says, I don't like it. It's not turned out what I thought it would be. I says, how are you? He says, well, if I'm being honest, I thought I'd be married by now. I'm single, and I thought that I would at least be engaged or married at this stage. Uh, so I'm in a church that hasn't turned out to be what I thought it would be. I'm in a job that's not particularly to my liking. And I'm in a relationship status that I, I really just really want to be in. Life for him hadn't turned out the way that he'd wished or hoped or planned. But I was struck by the quietness of his soul. That quiet contentment, his, his trust and hope in the Lord. He didn't have a prosperity gospel, that nonsense, that suddenly his whole life will suddenly change and God will give him everything that he wants. None of that nonsense. Just a quiet, humble contentment that the Lord is in, in control. He's sovereign over his life. He's the fatherly one. And he was content in hoping and trusting in him through all the ups and downs of life, even when it hadn't went the way he'd wished. Even though life's difficulties and ups and downs, we will learn, like David, to still enjoy this quiet, this calm, this contentment as we hope in the Lord. For he's the only one who we can find peace in our souls forevermore. Brothers and sisters, if we go away with, with one thing this evening, if you forget everything else, just go away with this one thought this evening. The Lord is saying to us, I'm enough. I'm enough. Christ is enough. When you strip away everything else, all the noise that's going on in our lives, Christ is enough. We have it all in Him. So let's rest our noisy souls in Him. Again, Spurgeon, he said, when we cease to hanker for the world, we begin hoping in God. And he gives us this prayer. And as we finish, may this be our prayer as well. We pray, O Lord, as like a parent weans a child, so wean me, so I will fix my hope on you alone, Lord. For we hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Amen.